the award-winning Your Financial Editor program on 930 WFMD, news from the worlds of business and finance with your financial editor, Chris Murray. Welcome to another edition of the Your Financial Editor program right here on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD. I am Chris Murray, your host. Thanks so much for being with us today. Appreciate it. Hope things are going well for uh, you and your family. Uh, Interesting program for you. Uh, We're going to be talking about some deals, some top stories, some economic data, some uh, not so good information from a Federal Reserve uh, survey. And then joining me in just a little bit, Mr. E.J. Antoni. He's been on the program before. He's a research fellow at Heritage Foundation. Um, really sharp guy. He's uh, knocking the leather off the ball right now. You've uh, seen him. You've heard him, not just here, but on other radio programs. Um, you've read his material, probably. But we're going to be talking about uh, literally the policies that exist right now that are crushing the middle class and others, uh, even lower than that, who don't have uh, resources. And it's just so hard to uh, to withstand the pressure. Um, so we're going to talk about that, identify it, talk about some solutions. And um, then we go from there, right? You're more educated, you uh, have some different points of view, uh, you're more informed, and then you can, in fact, um, affect change if uh, you have that type of uh, energy and motivation. So um, all that today on the program, and I'll jump right in, a massive deal this week that I think is going to be good for the country long term because we are going to get out of this uh, stupid policy uh, when it comes to energy and our energy independence and all of the natural, reliable, um, cost-effective energy resources that we have in America. ExxonMobil announced they were buying the fracking giant Pioneer Natural Resources. This is an all-stock deal. It's valued at $59.5 billion. Uh, it was announced, I believe it was on Wednesday, so when you include the debt in this deal, Exxon is actually committing $64.5 billion to this acquisition. So this is the biggest deal for Exxon since they merged with Mobile back in 1999. And uh, it also gives Exxon Mobile a bigger uh, footprint in the Permian Basin of West Texas and over into New Mexico. So um, the CEOs uh, really think this is good overall for the shareholders. Um, And of course, energy for us, because if we get past this stupid climate change, green energy, uh, these lies, I always say false narrative, that's just a fancy word for lies, because that's what we're being sold. Once we get past that, Um, We can continue to harvest all of the uh, God-given resources that this great country has. And what that does is helps people, especially the uh, poor, those on fixed incomes, middle class, because um, reliable, efficient, uh, less expensive energy is what helps people Um, not only out of poverty around the entire globe, but also, uh, as I mentioned, those other uh, folks in different categories as far as income goes. So this would be could be very, very good. You know, Pioneer has about uh, 850,000 acres in the Midland basis. That's going to be combined with ExxonMobil's 570,000 acres in the Delaware and Midland basins. And uh, that could give the company an estimated 16 billion billion barrels 
of oil equivalent resource in the Permian. And that's all good, not just for here in, in, in America, but also for those poor folks around the world who need that reliable, cheaper uh, energy source so that um, they can try to pull themselves out of poverty. But if nothing else, just think about it. If they get that energy that's reliable, that's consistent, that isn't this um, this lie about solar, these lies about wind turbines, uh, et cetera, it's all just money laundering, by the way. I've said that for years now, and I'm going to keep saying it, um, just like a lot of other government spending, which remember, there is no government spending. That's your spending, right? That's your tax dollars. And on top of that, the salt in the wound is it's all of the debt that these reckless sellouts have racked up that are going to be such a burden to our children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, you name it. So um, anyway, massive deal there. Uh, I hope that it, uh, it, you know, it, it all works out. Um, the way it has in the past when it comes to reliable energy. Also, Bristol-Myers Squibb said uh, at the beginning of the week that they are going to acquire the drug maker Marathi Therapeutics. This is a deal worth $5.8 billion. It adds to their oncology business portfolio. You know, I've always talked about deals in every sector. The difference now when it comes to big pharma is, again, this is your money. If you go back and look at how many billions of dollars we're giving to these pharmaceutical companies because of the virus that came from China and the fast track and, you know, the the unnecessary panic that so many people went into and were pushed into uh, by federal, state, local government. Um, this is just an example. So I always like preface this now to say, what are they doing with your money? What are they doing with all that money that was given to them um, by the, the taxpayer that, again, added to our debt that we're paying higher interest on right now, of course. Um, but what are they doing with it? Well, here is one example. Bristol, Bristol uh, Myers Squibb is using some of that money, um, as far as I'm concerned, to buy this other company. Um, hopefully, it's going to be good use of that money. It's not like they're going to give it back to us, Right. So the second best thing we can do if we're not going to get it back is to say, how are you using it? Well, oncology. Okay, great. Um, this is going to uh, pick up Marathi's portfolio drugs that target the uh, genetic drivers of specific cancers, including lung cancer, for example. So um, that second best thing, in my opinion, is that it helps people that are sick, that um, it can it can heal them or provide the maintenance. If it can't totally heal them, it can provide the maintenance um, that they live the best life possible. So hopefully that'll be a good use of uh, of our money, some of our money. So very very uh, busy week when we're talking about the United Auto Workers strike. You know, striking. Uh, it's been going on for a while now. Um, it's getting ramped up week by week. So first we heard that members of the UAW uh, rejected a new contract deal from Mack Trucks. That was on Monday, I believe, is at the beginning of the week. They walked off the job. Um, you know, you're talking about 4,000 workers, roughly, uh, that are in Pennsylvania, Florida, and Maryland. They've uh, 73% of the UAW workers uh, voted against the uh, the deal. 
So um, you just see this uh, this kind of widening of this strike across the country. Um, it's tough. Like when you read some of this stuff in the MAC proposal, it entitled a $3,500 bonus, uh, ratification bonus, enhanced retirement benefits, extra vacation days, a reduction in the time needed to reach uh, maximum pay level. But under the, I believe, poor leadership, corrupt leadership of UAW, you know, they're still saying, look, we want wage increases, cost of living uh, allowances, job security, wage progression. What is that? You just said you wanted wage increases and cost of living allowances. What What's wage progression? They want skilled trades, shift premium, um, holiday schedules, work schedules, health and safety, seniority, pension, 401k, health care, prescription drug. I mean, it gets to the point where you have to honestly say, wait, you know, who do you think you are? Who gets all that? Unless you're a government employee. Otherwise, who gets all that? I'm telling you, it's just, just like minimum wage stuff, folks. Keep pushing. If the, the corrupt leadership keeps pushing, you might as well say robotics, right? Artificial intelligence. We'll just do away with people if they're going to, you know, reject the offers demand pie in the sky. We'll just do away with you. Now, they're upset already because of the um, the uh, um, the EV battery factories, because a lot of them obviously are going to be robotic, artificial intelligence. So I think they're kind of, you know, maybe cutting their own throat. Uh, and again, it's not the hard work, hard, hard workers. It, it's the the, the um, corrupt leadership that are talking them into this pie in the sky thing. And then it got worse as the week went on of a, a Ford plan in Kentucky joined the UAW workers. So 8,000 workers walking off the job, actually 8,700 about. Shut down the Ford Motor Company's um, Kentucky truck plant. Why is that a big deal? Because it generates $25 billion a year in revenue. Why? They make the Ford Super Duty pickups, as well as the Ford Lincoln Navigator, the Ford Expedition, those nice SUVs. That's what people want. They want trucks. They want SUVs. Um, That's why it's profitable, even though people are being forced, or they're trying to force people, I should say, into um, these EV uh, vehicles and the whole battery thing that's when you look at, and I just encourage you to do it, do a little work little bit of searching, a little bit of reading, a little bit of looking, and you'll see lithium, cobalt, and the other things that these batteries need that supposedly are so good uh, for the earth that God gave us. You look how that earth is raped to extract the ingredients for those batteries. Just check it out. That's not even getting into the slave labor uh, that's used also to extract those uh, materials check it out you'll see what they're doing to the earth all under the lie of climate change so you'll be and and as i said making energy more expensive and less dependable period you you do you're looking around then you'll know exactly what's going on this is all money laundering no different than what's going on in ukraine where you know what, Ukraine was one of the most corrupt 
governments in the world before all this happened. Can you imagine what they're doing with all of our money? Again, that's adding to the debt of this country that's been, that's being put on the shoulders of our children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren. So anyway, um, that's what people want is uh, reliable vehicles. Um, but you've got about 34,000 UAW workers on strike across the country right now. And that just obviously is going to lead to, I think, um, production problems, supply chain issues. Also, just think it's, um, I kind of call it the, it looks like the Bud Light effect. You know, one big mess up by some goofball in marketing at Bud Light that didn't know their customer and um, did the wrong thing. Just look at all the jobs and lives it, it's destroyed. The suppliers, the truck drivers, the warehouse workers. So uh, this could have that same type of, uh, of effect. Um, oil prices uh, have been or were going up at the beginning of the year, or excuse me, not beginning of the year, beginning of the week. And that's because of uh, what happened between uh, Israel and the terrorist organization Hamas. And, um, you know, that's obviously getting worse, unfortunately, because we're not energy independent. Um, we're more um, dependent on uh, foreign sources. Our strategic petroleum reserve has been uh, whittled down. A lot of that sold to the Chinese. Um, you know, I know exactly where to send that T-shirt. You can't fix stupid at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. And actually, I'd have a box of them because of um, it wouldn't just be the current leadership, but all of Obama's little minions that are working um, in Washington to uh, to move these policies forward. Um, I would make sure all of them got one. Um, and it would have an arrow pointing up to their face. You can't fix stupid. So everybody would know uh, who they are and what they're about. Uh, we heard from the International Monetary Fund this week. I think it was Tuesday. They cut their growth forecast for China and the Eurozone, said overall global growth remained low and uneven. And guess what? The IMF chief, chief economist said the global economy continued to recover from the virus that came from China that's never been apologized for, uh, never even acknowledged by the Chinese that it came from them, although a lot of us knew from the very beginning that's where it came from. And now you're starting to see, nobody's talking about it, but if you do look, you're starting to see letters from various um, agencies saying, yeah, we're pretty sure it came from the Wuhan uh, viral lab and you know all that stuff. Uh, so... Um, it, it continues to really, at, at a slow grind, destroy um, lives and health and wealth um, across the entire globe. And it's uh, it's really just a shame. And I'll tell you something else It's a shame. Um, it came out this week that of all developed countries, the United States is the one losing the most money because of illiteracy. Isn't that like how look at us, the greatest country ever. And and we're the one now losing the most money because of illiteracy. And more than half of the adults here read at or below a 12 year old's level. So a new study showed that it was according to a report released uh, by the World Literacy Foundation. Low literacy skills likely cause mistakes 
that costs the United States about $300 billion every year. How about that? Be nice to keep that, wouldn't it? $300 billion in our economies, in our families, in our businesses. There's a separate uh, report that was done a couple years ago by Gallup that said uh, illiteracy can cost Americans $2.2 trillion just in lost annual income. So why? Well, they um, have these income opportunities that are lost because people can't read well enough to get better paying jobs. The same study found about 54% of Americans read at a sixth grade level or below uh, and 21% are illiterate, right? And there was interesting um, one of the per, uh, people behind the survey was saying that people who are illiterate will go to a hospital, they can't read the forms, and they just basically say yes to everything with that embarrassment of not acknowledging they can't read and understand. Guess what? Not only money-wise, but in a hospital. And that can lead to a mistake in a medical intervention, they determined. Isn't that scary? So wake up, right, all of us. Me, you, everybody, demand that schools stop dumbing down our students, stop pushing them through the system just to get rid of them, get them to the next grade or supposedly graduated, quit talking about the sick gender issues, the DEI, the CRT, the ESG, all of those lies. Stop. Teach kids how to read properly, how to write properly, how to do, even if it's basic to medium math, just do that. Just do that. And our kids and grandkids and all those that we love will be so much better off. I mean, there's more that we hopefully can do. I remember I did a video for the um, Committee for Responsible Federal Budget as a contest back in, I guess it was like 2007. Back then in the video, which by the way, I got second place. Um, in the video, I came right out and said in 2008, 2007, 2009, I have to look exactly when it was, um, do away with the Department of Education and the Department of Transportation and some of these other agencies that they're, they're, they do nothing. They really don't. Actually, the Department of Education causes harm. You listen to what uh, that cabinet member is talking about these days. It'll make you get sick to your stomach what they support. The child abuse and mutilation that they support for young children. They're just child abusers. That's That's what they're promoting. From Biden and Obama and all of them down that do their work. So, um... Anyway, that's that's a hard statistic when it comes to illiteracy, what it's costing us. Because this is a, you know, we like to factor in the money part of it, right? $300 billion every year, trillions of dollars in income alone. Oh, it's terrible. Uh, we did get a couple pieces on inflation uh, this week. So, unfortunately, they both came in uh, hotter than expected. Uh, inflation at the wholesale level. Surged more than expected in September. Uh, the PPI, the producer price index, that's like I said, wholesale level before it gets to us, the consumer, climbed half of a percent. 
in September from the previous month. That's the largest increase we've seen since April. So, and then and the year-over-year uh, year number and the monthly were both higher than what economists were looking for. The very next day, we saw the CPI, the Consumer Price Index, same thing, came in uh, higher than expected. Uh, now, a big part of that is um, shelter cost. So you see that housing cost, that was the biggest driver of inflation. Um, rent costs are up 7.2% from this time last year. Uh, but you still have, you know, we're all putting gas in our vehicles and um, the truckers are filling theirs with diesel fuel to bring us uh, products that we need. Um, and that's, you know, that's costing everybody. We're also going to the grocery store complaining about paying more. Or here's here's my favorite paying the same, but they've uh there's less in the box right doesn't that just get you or there's more air in the bag <laughs> but that's exactly what's going on and everybody's still talking about it actually the nfib small business optimism index came out this week you know we had on bill dunkelberg uh, a few weeks ago the uh, chief economist for the nfib and i was asking him about how uh, it is for the independent business owner out there and small business owner and it's tough and it continued to be tough the latest report showed the same thing problems with inflation Problems with getting people to work, which is just totally embarrassing, not just for the country, but especially for the people that won't work. It's just embarrassing. So, um, and the piece I'll end real quick, uh, going to a break here. I mentioned about the Fed at the very beginning, top of the show. Um, the Federal Reserve Bank of New York's September survey of consumer expectations 41% of households say they're financially worse off than a year ago. 41%. Looking ahead, 29% of those households believe that they'll be even more financially worse off a year from now. So I hate those reports, but I share it with you because it's the truth. Quick break. Back in a minute. Look upon somebody on a sidewalk. Carjacking old lady at a red light Pull a gun on the owner of a liquor store You think it's cool, act a fool if you like Cuss out a cop, spit in his face Stomp on the flag and light it up Yeah, you think it's tough Well try that in a small town See how far you make it It's your financial editor with Chris Murray On 930 WFMD Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And as a podcast, you can go to Apple Podcasts, grab it there. Also, don't forget to download the uh, free app so you can listen uh, to the, uh, the the program or any of the other programming that we have uh, literally right at your fingertips and take it with you. Uh, as I mentioned right before the break, we were going to be uh, jumping into our conversation with our guest Today, a friend of the program, been with us a few times, along with a lot of his uh, colleagues from the Heritage Foundation, Mr. E.J. Antoni. He's a research fellow at 
heritage. Um, and uh, he focuses on fiscal and monetary policy. And the fact is, not only have you heard him here, but you've heard him on other radio programs, you've seen him on TV, and you've read um, the really good work that EJ has been doing for quite a while now. And uh, he's ramping it up, folks. I mean, he's knocking it out of the park. I read his stuff uh, every time I get a chance when I see something new drop during the week. And you can do that, too. You can go to heritage.org and, uh, and, and again, just look up uh, EJ's work and uh, read it at your leisure and also at no cost. Uh, EJ, how are you today? Oh, I'm doing well. Thank you for that kind introduction. Oh, absolutely. You deserve it. Literally, I see you on TV, and, and like I said, I read your stuff. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm not just pumping you up. I think you're doing a lot of really good work, and uh, I appreciate it. And, um, you know, that's why we wanted to talk today a little bit about some of your latest work. The one piece I saw um, earlier in the week was uh, titled Yellen and rest of Bidenomics team ignore middle-class misery that their policies create. So I talk about this, you know, well, for decades I've been talking about it. The program started in 1997 and we've never let up. When, you know, we give credit, uh, it's because it's deserved. And when we shine the light on the cockroaches, uh, same thing. So give us, um, you know, some insight into your thinking and your research uh, as to why you wrote this particular piece. Well, Janet Yellen, I think, is part of a larger cabal of of administration officials that essentially have been advocating for more government for a bloated uh, federal budget at the expense of the family budget. And so the the end result of that is simply that the American people are demonstrably poorer. And and she has done so, uh, whether it was her role um, at at the regional Federal Reserve banks, at the Federal Reserve Board here in Washington, D.C., or now as the Treasury Secretary. And again, what we're left with at the end of the day is a bloated federal budget and a smaller family budget. Yeah. So, and again, just in case you're um, not really familiar with Janet Yellen, folks, or you're new to the program, um, she's basically, in my opinion, as you've heard me say over the years, she's a parasite. Um, if we, the hardworking people that pay taxes, are the boat, she's the stuff that gets gummed up underneath. She, you know, along for the ride. She was the uh, president of the San Francisco Federal Reserve Bank. Uh, then, uh, like EJ said, you know, she went to uh, the board and then became uh, chair of the Federal Reserve, and now, again, just getting recycled after she made millions in speaking fees, uh, which I'm a capitalist, so that's great, but, you know, you're doing it at our expense. Um, And as I've used the term, I think she's a lapdog, definitely for Obama, and that's spilled over uh, now to the the existing um, uh, folks that that are in charge. So, and and you know what, EJ, I noticed this week, uh, I saw a piece in Reuters um, that she was in Morocco, and uh, calling for cultural change to mobilize private sector capital when she was talking about the IMF and the World Bank and all those other organizations that we as taxpayers support. Right. And what so many of these things are is essentially just code words for one of two things, either a uh, taxpayer subsidies, in other words, you and I are stuck paying for whatever uh, pet project she happens to be advocating for at the moment, uh, or it's some kind of actual tax, some way for the government to take additional money from you to try to penalize you because you're doing something that they happen not to like, Uh, whether that's you own too many guns or own a gun at all, 
or maybe it's using a, a gasoline-powered vehicle instead of an electric one. You know, maybe you've flown a little too much this year, and, and now you have too many carbon emissions, and, and we need to reduce that. Or maybe you've had too many children because, you know, we have a, 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 a policy like China, essentially, where you, have a, a, you want to reduce the global population. And it's not some kind of conspiracy. I mean, you can find people at the World Economic Forum, for example, who openly advocate for people having fewer children. Uh, and so whatever the case may be, if you're not towing the, the party line with this leftist uh, ideology, then you will be penalized. Yeah. And so um, and, and by the way, just to follow that up, because you're spot on, as always, the, you know, I mentioned cultural change comment. And then the, the other part of that comment was, um, you know, they have this. New, she wants a new vision to end poverty on a livable planet. So we know with all the the uh, as I, they're just lies. I've been saying false narrative about climate change, but it's most of it's just total lie. Um, so we've got that to deal with. And um, I think we're getting better at it personally because more people are realizing what's going on. Um, so what are some of the policies that really are uh, hurting the middle class and even those uh, less fortunate than them? Well, oh gosh, that's a very long list. We could take a few hours to go through it, but <laughs> I, I would say here's here's the, the, the biggest part that we have going on right now is the government essentially in order to, to finance these massive, massive multi-trillion dollar deficits year after year, uh, artificially reduced interest rates to keep borrowing costs low. It's like when mortgage rates were artificially low, it allowed you to buy a bigger house because it reduced the monthly payment even as the house the home price went up because the interest rate went down so much more. It's been very similar with the federal debt where these low interest rates on the debt have allowed the government to finance incredibly large, truly unprecedented sums of borrowing. Well, what did that do? It caused 40-year high inflation. And now as a result, what are we facing? Uh, a, a, a crisis, a literal fiscal crisis, where you essentially have a government that is not going to be able to pay its bills. It's kind of like, you know, sometimes federal finance can, can be very obtuse. So let's just look at it in terms of, of family finances. Imagine you spend way more than you earn, and so you load up all that excess spending as debt on credit cards, and then the interest rate on those credit cards starts going through the roof, and you can't afford the monthly payments anymore. That's the barrel of the gun we're staring down right now as a government. And people can relate to that because we know uh, we've seen, um, you know, a lot of work done in that area by various organizations uh, that people are actually doing that because of that inflation, like you said, 40 year high inflation um, because of the cost of food and energy and shelter and apparel and health care and just go on and on that people are using their savings and or credit cards just for the necessities. It's not like they want to take a trip to the Bahamas or they want to go on a ski trip or whatever, throw a big party. These are for necessities. And that's what is just tearing up, as you allude to, the middle class and then those below that are poor on fixed income. And, you know, one, one of the really sad things here is that when you look at uh, inflation, I think this is something people really don't appreciate is that the the people who uh, are already not very well off they're people who well, let me let me give you a, just a, a simple example using groceries uh, if if you don't have a lot of money you're not going out and buying filet mignon right you're buying ground beef but if you're in the middle class you can occasionally splurge and you can get yourself you know a nice a nice cut of beef some steaks every once in a while well what happens when we have these periods of high inflation 
is that many people in the middle class have to begin cutting back, and they start buying more of things like ground beef. And so what happens for the people who are, who are poor, essentially, is that not only are they hit with the hidden tax of inflation that raises prices everywhere, but now because inflation is causing people to disproportionately buy things that the poor were typically buying, what happens? Those prices go up even faster because of increased demand. And, and that's precisely what we've seen the last two and a half years. And so if, if you're uh, very wealthy, you're fortunate enough to have an income that usually uh, increases with inflation or uh, maybe a little behind inflation. But if you're in the middle class and in the lower income uh, classes, guess what? Your your wages are not rising anywhere near inflation. And now you're hit with this, this double tax, if you will, uh, of, of the prices of the things you buy rising faster than average. And just to, if I can, just to put in perspective how bad this inflation tax has gotten, the average American worker today loses more through inflation on his average hourly earnings than he pays in federal income taxes. Yeah, and that's a that's that's a great point. Uh, you know, for your mind's eye, when you just uh, listen to that and then visualize it, um, it's uh, it's sickening, really. I mean, you know, but it's what people need to hear because uh, that's what this program is about: is uh, in, empowering people, giving them information and and uh, honest facts and data. And then, if they want to affect change, then they're um, you know they're emboldened to do that. You know, the other part of uh, the example that you gave about the grocery is um, also because of people changing their habits, it's health-wise it's not good because we might start buying some things that are more filler and uh, we know that too much of that's not good for us when it comes to weight or blood pressure or whatever it may be. And, and you know, in, in line with, with some of those medical issues, you know, medical commodities, health insurance, health care services, we're, we're seeing all these things go through the roof. And in and, and the insurance market in particular, you know, that's something that tends to lag. What I mean by that is if you're an insurance company, you need to be collecting premiums uh, that are going to cover the claims that, that come in. Right. So you need to make sure that the health insurance premiums you're, you're collecting from subscribers are enough to then pay out the claims that those subscribers are going to submit to you. And then obviously you need a little bit extra so that there's profit at the end of the day. Well, as all of these costs uh, for medical care have gone through the roof, you know, they've been going up pretty quickly for years, but especially so because of inflation now the last three years. Uh, what have we seen? We've seen these insurance companies in some cases lose money. And, and so now they are uh, increasing their premiums very, very fast in order to to make up for those losses and earn profits in the future. But it's not it's not just medicine. We're seeing this happen uh, it, with, with car insurance as well. Insurance on vehicles is, is up something astounding, like 40% since January of 2021, I mean, that's just not sustainable. And we're seeing similar trends with homes. This, this one is particularly troubling. What we're seeing with homes today is people, not only can they barely afford the home, but they certainly can't afford homeowners insurance. And so they're simply going without. That means if you have some kind of, of catastrophic loss, God forbid, what happens? Not only are you going to lose the house because you don't have insurance on it, but everything in your home that would normally be insured as well, that's also gone. Like if the house burns down, uh, for example, I mean, th this is truly 
truly a precarious position that many families are in today. Yeah. And, you know, um, that's another really good example and, and good information for people to have as far as those premiums. And back to the medical side for a moment, uh, when you do have this high inflation and people are underwater and they're just struggling for the necessities, they are easily going to talk themselves out of going for a routine doctor visit or some type of, um, you know, screening because they can say, well, you know, I really don't have the copay or whatever it may be, you know, the office visit money uh, because things are so tight. And we know what that could lead to as well. Oh, it, exactly. And, you know, it's very similar to sadly what we saw during the pandemic when the government was just frankly so stupid. There's no other word for it uh, in telling all these people to not go to the hospital and to cancel things like cancer screenings. I mean, there's a big reason why uh, so many adverse uh, uh, health results have have stemmed from this. You had normal routine visits that, that were canceled, postponed, whatever the case may be. And so many preventable illnesses uh, just absolutely exploded during 2020. And in the years after, it's something that we're still dealing with to this day and likely will for years to come. Yeah, it's tragic. It's it's really a really a shame uh, talking today with our guest, Mr. E.J. Antoni. Uh, he's a research fellow in the Heritage Foundation's Grover Herman Center for the federal budget. His research focuses on fiscal and monetary policy. Uh, you can go to heritage.org and uh, check out E.J.'s uh, a, a lot of his work there. I mean, it's everywhere. Like I said, you've seen him on TV and heard him on the radio. Uh, besides here, he's just doing a, a, a great job, a lot of really good work. Just to wrap things up, real quick the other piece you put out in the tribune uh, news service that i saw this week um, was worsening economy pushes consumers near the breaking point very similar to the things we've been talking about but i know you know the university of michigan consumer sentiment report uh, came out and showed that it was deteriorating as well Um, just overall do you think this is going to continue to grind on the american consumer Oh, absolutely. You know, look, there's just no way you can spend, borrow, and print trillions upon trillions of dollars and not expect negative consequences. And and I keep saying, I just don't know when as a country we forgot that that was the case. And right now, the you know, if you're wondering where on earth did the government get those trillions upon trillions of dollars that it spent, it's taking it out of your hide right now through the hidden tax of inflation. And so this is the equivalent to if the federal government had turned around and levied trillions of dollars of additional taxes. I mean, it doesn't take a PhD in economics to figure out what happens next. The economy is going to slow down. Consumer spending is going to dive. Things are going to be worse off. Uh, you're going to see people losing their jobs as businesses can't can't sustain themselves in that kind of, of, uh, of environment. Uh, I mean, th- again, it's just really, really silly, frankly, to think that we would not have severe negative consequences from that. And that's what we're heading into right now. It's no surprise that consumer sentiment you know, took a big nosedive yet again and that we're near historic lows. Uh, I mean, again, what did we think was going to happen? Yep. All right. So let's say you're driving the train. I have just a couple minutes left. Uh, give us like your top three things that if you had, you know, the magic wand um, or if you were able to advise someone that could make those real changes, uh, what would you suggest that we get started on? Oh, the, the biggest thing far and away is that we need to drastically reduce the size of government. We, we need to cut spending and in a big, 
big way. I'm not talking about balancing the budget over the course of a decade. I'm talking about balancing it now because we need to balance it now. We, we are heading into a, a fiscal crisis already. The borrowing has not only exploded, but the cost to finance that borrowing has also exploded. Uh, and so we have to get this thing under control. Uh, we need to rein in the Federal Reserve. It needs to get back to price stability and price stability alone. And we need to eventually put the Fed on a path to, to dissolution so that we can restore to the, the economy to where it was before the Fed when you didn't have a, a currency managed by bureaucrats, but one that was managed by the free market. Perfect. Our guest today has been Mr. E.J. Antoni. He's a research fellow in the Heritage Foundation's Grover Herman Center. Go to heritage.org. E.J., thanks a lot. Uh, You know, you've been uh, you visited with us before. Hope to have you back again uh, and keep up all the good work. Thank you for having me. All right. Great. Enjoy uh, the rest of your weekend. Um, Really good stuff by E.J. Like I said, go to uh, heritage.org. But you'll see him on TV and, and, you know, different places. um, uh, And he's just doing really good stuff. And it's all it's all uh, spot on pretty much as far as uh, the info you're getting. Um, That's why, you know, everybody's freaking out about the stuff with uh, not having a speaker in the House of Representatives. World didn't end. Sun came up. The next day, when McCarthy was gone, which he should have been because he lied and he didn't keep his word and he didn't do things. Look, if you've got appropriations bills to pass, you don't take six weeks recess and then come back and try to push stuff through uh, with the Democrats making deals so the government won't shut down. He got exactly what he deserved. Um, And uh, whoever gets in line next for that... They better do the right thing. Just like EJ said, government's too big. Spending's too much. And that's the only way we get out of this. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Talk to you on the Morning News Express with uh, Bob and Chris. And um, we'll be back here for another edition of the Your Financial Editor program. This is Chris Murray wishing you and your family financial success. Hey, girl. I know you got everybody looking. Got a little boom in my big truck. Gonna open up the doors and turn it up. Gonna stomp my boots in the Georgia mud. Gonna watch you make me fall in love. Get up on the hood of my daddy's tractor. Up on the toolbox, it don't matter. Down on the tailgate, girl, I can't wait to watch you do your thing. Shake it for the young up sitting in the honky tonks. For the rednecks rocking till the break of dawn. The DJ's spinning that country song. Come on, come on, come on. Past editions of this program are available in the audio vault at WFMD.com. News Radio 930. WFMD Frederick. A connoisseur media radio station. 7 o'clock.